Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled women in the ring. Welcome, Spike fans, to the two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. We're back. We're back like the Backstreet Boys here on another show. Uh, we were missing last week because we had some prior engagements. One of them, uh, well, it actually wasn't on Thursday, but we're gearing up for that fight card that we're going to talk about that happened in Pico Rivera, where we saw some pretty good action, female boxing action. I'm Felipe Leon from... Tijuana, Baja California, Mexico, with us all the way from the Bay Area in Northern California is none other than Mrs. Lupi Gutierrez. Lupi, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm good. How's everybody? Good. There's Lupi and the godfather of female boxing in Southern California, Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing tonight? Very good, very good. Uh, Felipe, how are you doing, Lupi? I'm doing good, thanks. Seems forever that we've been talking. Uh-huh. Nice. We do have some boxing news um, coming up here on the show. We don't have a guest because we wanted to concentrate on the fights that we that happened the last couple of weeks and the news that has come up recently in female boxing that's going to change or make some kind of effect in the in the panorama in the stage of female boxing in the next couple of months. But we're going to go to the fight results. And start off with Friday, September 10th from Mexico, Julian Luna, the WBC Bantamweight champion. We remember that she dethroned none other than Mariana La Barbie Juarez some, about a year ago, I would believe. Um, she actually had a non-title fight against late sub Carla Valenzuela. She actually, the expected happened. She stopped her in the fourth round of Schedule 8. The fight was closer to 122 pounds than the 118 that she, she campaigns at. And we talked about the uh, the record of Valenzuela that left a lot to be desired at the time of the fight. She was three wins, 22 losses. She had lost her last seven, but she was a late sub. So Luna did what she was supposed to do um, on that fight card. Moving on to Saturday, September 11th, two actual upsets. Actually, no, on that night, there was an upset in Russia when Jessica Gonzalez, Mexican fighter, who had not seen a lot of action, went over to Russia and scored a split decision win to capture the WBC International Bantamweight title over local Tatiana Trazevskaya. Scores there. Um, that was pretty good right there. I, I, I kind of I pulled that off. Uh, scores were 98-93 and 96-94 for Gonzalez and a 96-94 for Trazevskaya. Um I didn't get a chance to see this fight. I didn't see a stream. Lupi, did you watch the fight? Because it seems like it was pretty close. No, I didn't. Um, I might have seen something. Actually, I'm looking right now. But it must have been, I mean, to give her that split in Russia. Man. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it must have been a, a pretty good fight. And, and in her favor... For her to get a split decision in Russia, so I agree with that. Now, another upset that happened a week later on Friday, September 17th in Argentina, long-reigning champion and pound-for-pound fighter for a long time in a lot of the lists, not on the PriceFighters.com list and not the two-minute round list, but in all lists, Jessica Latuti Bob lost a, a split decision to also Argentinian Juliana Vanessa Basualdo in a scheduled six-rounder at 118 pounds. Scores there were... And now the WBA and Argentina, they use a half-a-point scoring system. Why? I don't know. But the scores were 59, 57.5, and 59.5, and 56 for Basualdo. I don't know why they use that half-point. And then a 59-55 bop. I didn't get to see the fight, but I saw highlights. And one thing that was very, very evident... And I don't know if you guys saw the highlights. Basualdo yeah. was a lot, lot bigger than Bob, and it looked like she was a natural bantamweight, whereas Bob mm. 
usually fights at 108 pounds. So she was giving up about 10 pounds advantage. Yeah, I saw the highlights, and she looked like a heavy hitter because of that. What, did you get to see the highlights, or did you at least see the weight disparity there, David? No, I didn't. I didn't get to see any of it. Well, with the loss, Tutti Bob doesn't lose uh, doesn't lose the um, the uh, her title, but it gives her the only second loss of her career. I, I follow her on social media, and I was kind of trying to see if she was going to say something, you know, like, you know, it wasn't my night, I came in in late notice or whatever, but I didn't really see anything, and it looked like she was on vacation the day after with her family. It looked like she was sightseeing in some places. She was posting on that, so I don't know how much of an effect a loss um, made in her psyche, but we'll see what happens. She hadn't fought in over at least two years, so... We'll see what, fought what amateurs. she fought an amateurs, yeah, which she didn't do that well either. So really interesting because when you get a 10-round fighter, which she has been for a long, long time, and you fight her in a six-rounder, it's really tough. And I think that's what also um, um, happened to her in the amateurs where they don't, they don't start warming up until three, four rounds in. And in the six-rounder, if you're warming up three, four rounds in, the, fight, the fight's almost over. Same thing in the amateurs when it's three rounds, four rounds. Um, the fight's almost over by the time you start warming up. So I would want to believe that that was um, that was uh, a big uh, a big factor in this loss for Jessica Tutti Bob. Moving on, Saturday, September 18th in South Korea, it was originally announced that Hu Ming Choi was going to fight, I believe, Terry Harper a couple months ago. But Terry Harper ended up hurting herself again. She's been having some trouble with her hands. And Hu Ming Choi went ahead and did a, a, a defense of her WBA 130-pound title in South Korea. Obviously, there's no footage of this, but she scored a ninth-round TKO over veteran Brazilian. We've seen her fight before, Simone Aparecida da Silva. So Hu Ming Choi stays busy in, um, in South Korea, her home country, and we'll see what comes next for her as far as that tournament between all the super featherweight champions. We already have the first fight uh, announced for November 5th in in Las Vegas between Mikaela Mayer and Maiva Hamadouche. Mayer is the WBO super featherweight champion. Maiva Hamadouche of France is the IBF champion. So we would expect sometime down the line, Hugh Ming Choi would face Terry Harper. And then we could see the winners of them go at it for super featherweight supremacy. So we'll see if we see that soon. Also on Saturday, September 25th in Argentina, veteran Argentinian Marcela Acuña. I mean, if you don't know who Marcela Acuña is and you're listening to this show, you need to do a little bit of research because she's one of the biggest names in female boxing in this wave of of the last 10, 15 years. Would you agree with that, David? I mean, She's one of the biggest names. Oh, yeah, in absolutely. Female boxing. La yeah. Tigresa Acuña scored a unanimous decision over Natalia Josefina Alderete in a six-rounder at featherweight. Scores there were 59.5 to 56. The half point makes its comeback. 59-55 and 59.5 to 57. And the fight that David and I were able to witness in person, it was this last Saturday night from... The Pico Rivera Arena in Pico Rivera, California. If you have not had a chance to visit this arena, well, you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if I was going to say it or not. It just... <laughs> What's that, Lupi? I said, what is that? Was it everything David said it was? Uh, <laughs> it's a good It's a good arena. And actually, David, the last time I was there, it was for another Adelida, Adelaida Ruiz fight. And I felt much safer in this one because the last time, it was a different promoter. And in the last one that I went years ago, um, one of the beer bars or the one of the alcohol bars were right behind me in the press area. And things were getting really interesting in that area as the night progressed. Whereas on this one, the beer was far, far away. So I, I felt pretty comfortable with that. Um, 
But at the Pico Rivera uh, Arena in Pico Rivera, California, in the main event, La Cobra, Adelaida Ruiz, scored a ninth-round TKO over Nancy Franco in a scheduled 10-rounder for the vacant WBC Silver Super Flyweight title. And earlier in the card, we saw Maricela Cornejo get back in the winning uh, column, the win column, with the unanimous decision over Miranda Barber in a scheduled six-rounder at middleweight. Let's start off with the Ruiz fight, David. We were both there. What were your thoughts? I have my thoughts. We kind of discussed them a little bit at the fight, but go ahead and give us your thoughts about this performance from Adelaide Ruiz. You got a lot of background sound there. Yeah, I think it's, it's a lot, Lupe. A lot Do you have background sound. Do you have it in, in speaker, Lupe? Okay, I'm off it. You're off speaker? Yeah, is that me? Was that me making those? Yeah, that was you. That, and it sounds perfect now. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, David. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was impressed with uh, Adelaida's uh, defense. Uh, she seemed to have her defense more uh, in sync. Um, I hadn't seen that before. She was, she was mainly an aggressive fighter. Mm-hmm. And in this uh, instance, I saw her use a lot more defense, a lot of in and out, uh, slipping under and in changing angles. Uh, I hadn't seen that before, not to that extent. Uh, the only thing is that her timing was a little off on her uh, combinations. She she likes to throw three, four punch combinations, and that's good, but they're just out of sync. When she was throwing them, it was at the wrong time, and she was throwing them to throw them. And uh, yeah, she just needs a little more timing. Before I give my thoughts, Lupi, did you get a chance to watch the fight? No, I didn't. I missed both of them. I okay. saw a little bit. Um, somebody sent me a little clip so I could see what um, David was talking about, but I didn't get to see the whole fight. Okay. Earlier this year, Adelaida Ruiz traveled down to Puerto Vallarta to challenge for the interim WBC Super mm-hmm. Flyweight title against Sonia Osorio. That fight ended in a no contest or no decision when a accidental headbutt to the, to the head, obviously, of Osorio opened up a, a pretty bad gash uh, on Osorio, and the fight was stopped. Undeservedly, in my mm-hmm. opinion, you know, a lot of the Team Reese, Team La Cobra, um, undeservedly, in my opinion, were giving Osorio some lip about not wanting to fight and, and, and pulling out of the fight. And quite honestly, you, she couldn't continue with that cut. I mean, we watched the fight. I watched it on pay-per-view. I'm sure. I think, David, you watched it as well, Lupe. Yeah. And what we saw, what we saw, it didn't look like she could continue. Now, Reese comes back this year yeah. and, and is given the opportunity for the silver title, which is a, a, a step below that interim title. And I agree with David. She looked, she looked very polished. She looked uh, mature, even though she had not seen that much action recently. But she looked really mature. The combinations, her her. Her punch, I was pretty impressed with her punch, punch selection and her punch placement. Um, and also the way that she was able to control the action on a shorter fighter with her jab. And it was a shorter fighter in Franco that had a lot of experience. We've seen Franco fight mm-hmm. um, good fighters and go the distance as well as uh, fight, facing a lot of different fighters. The only thing that I mentioned to David that night, and I thought that was missing, is that Cobra Power. A couple years ago, David named her uh, the Knockout Artist of the Year for the Two Minute Round and the PriceFighters.com. And that's not something that we saw. She was able to stop Nancy Franco, and she did hurt her with a straight right hand in the ninth round and then was able to finish her off against the ropes with the barrage of punches. But in my opinion... If she had the power that we believe she had a uh, couple years ago, she should have been able to knock out Nancy Franco a lot sooner in the fight because Nancy Franco, it was very evident that she was a lot smaller fighter than Adelaida mm-hmm. Ruiz. Nancy Franco usually fights at one, well, when she, she was a natural 108 fighter, you know, if not 105. I think she even challenged for the strawweight title. Obviously, she's a little older. She's very experienced. She knows how to survive, mm-hmm. but I think mm-hmm. that Ruiz could have maybe pressed the, uh, pressured a little bit sooner in the fight, and she would have more than likely um, 
force the referee to call the stoppage if she would have went for a barrage of punches sooner in the fight than later. So that's the only thing. But other than that, I really like her performance. I'm really excited to see what's next for her. I really want to see that Osorio fight. Osorio is actually fighting in mm-hmm. October, I think mid-October. Um, so I'm really interested in that matchup. And then obviously the winner going for a world title at 115. So let's see that. Hopefully that happens uh, pretty soon here in 2022. Now Maricela Cornejo, who on her social media had, and I think in her last fight as well, had gone down as low as 154 pounds. It looks like she's back to 160. And it was, you know, she was coming off a loss. It was a six rounder. But David, I don't know if you agree with me, but if you're going to be a world-class fighter, a fighter that has, that has, um, you know, challenged for titles before, you won an international WBC title or something to that effect, you know, you want to fight the big names at 160 or 154, like, like uh, Clarissa Shields and uh, Ana Gabriel, and if you, even if you want to throw in the interim WBA super welterweight champion Raquel Miller, who was in the premises. Um, and she actually mm-hmm. called her out, Maricela Cornejo, on her social media after the fight. If you're going to be calling out, calling out mm-hmm. those kind of fighters, shouldn't you be able to finish off Miranda Barber before the six rounds? Unless Miranda Barber has a concrete chin, which maybe she did, but shouldn't you be able to find a way to finish her off before six rounds? Mm-hmm. Miranda Barber know. is also an MMA girl, so she has a nice chin. <laughs> It looked like she had a good chin. She took some yeah. shots. She did take some shots. Cornell can hit, and uh, she took some shots. I'm, I was impressed with Miranda, actually. I was very impressed with her. She's very rough uh, mm-hmm. and very uh, unpolished. But, man, she's a tough girl. But, David, you have, you know, Cornejo is 13, 14, 15, and whatever, 3, 4, 5, whatever. She's been in the ring with you know, Franchon Cruz, the Zern, a couple times. She's been in the ring with a couple other names. You got Clarissa Shields sitting there two rows from the ring. You got a, a woman that's calling you out in Raquel Miller two rows away in the ring. And I personally didn't feel that Cornejo went that ex- didn't put it in that extra gear at one point to finish off Barber, you know. And I believe that if you're at this level – that's what you should be doing when you're facing a fighter that's two and two. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, but Barbara is, she is a tough girl. I mean, she fights in the cage. She's MMA and she's a boxer. I mean, she's got a, she does have a tough chin, but yeah, you're totally right. I mean, Maricela's had all these opportunities. I, and and there's still fights for her. I mean, I'd love to see the Raquel fight. I'd like, you know, but I love that we'll fight. I, yeah, that's I, the, that's the one for them. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I, I go ahead, David. I wouldn't be surprised if Clarissa, who was there, I wouldn't be surprised if Maricela is Clarissa's next opponent in boxing. Mm. After she does her MMA, me. I think that Maricela did not doesn't want to mess around with anybody else like a Raquel. Cause does Raquel have her a promoter? Because I don't think she's working with Debella anymore, right? No, no yeah, she's not. She's so from exactly, Debella yeah. and Split T. Yeah, so where's the money going to come from? Where's the money going to come from? Yeah, I mean, you have a point there. You have a point there. I mean, you have a point there. I mean, they would have to find the money. Um, you know, and if, if Maricela is just going for the money grab, then yeah, you know, Clarissa Shields is the right opponent. But if Cornejo believed that she could be, not that it would make that big of a difference, but I think that if Cornejo believed that she could take on Raquel Miller, I would fight Raquel Miller first, raise my profile, mm-hmm. and then and, and capture that interim WBA title and then go after Clarissa because that way at least you know I got a little bit higher profile I got a title and now you know there's a little bit more on the table where I could ask for a little bit bigger purse whereas if I just go in um, as a woman that got beat on national TV by you know the number one contender at welterweight uh, Alma Ibarra and then I just went six rounds with the two and two fighter you know and then I'm trying to go against 
you know, the, the one or two best pound-for-pound fighter in the world, there's really – I have no leverage, you know? I got to take what yeah, they but, give me. But, you, but Raquel has no leverage either. She has no money. There's no money backing her. Where's that money going to come from? And well, that's a hard I fight. Mean, so you yeah. risk losing the fight, and then you lose Clarissa. So why not just go after Clarissa? It doesn't make mm-hmm. sense to fight Raquel with no money. If there is no money, but you do, but if you believe in yourself and you risk it, then you win the title. If she believes she could beat Raquel Miller, if she doesn't, then go for Clarissa and go for the money. No, I go for the money now. You, why would you risk? Why would you fight somebody for no money, maybe five thousand, and and throw away a fifty thousand dollar payday? It doesn't True. make sense. Yeah, yeah well, we're gonna touch on that. Yeah. Go ahead, Lupi. No, it, it does make sense. I mean, because even though, like, the fight that we all want to see is Raquel and and Maricela because it makes the most sense and because we know that there's, you know, the backstory, but are we the only ones who really care? And maybe she mm-hmm. should go for it. Yeah. Now, we actually had this, this type of uh, discussion before, and that moves us on to our next, our, our next segment here, Fight Chatter, because we were talking exactly the same thing, but with different with different players in the discussion. And now it turns out that maybe there was something behind the scenes that we didn't know about. And now it makes total sense. Erika Cruz, the WBA featherweight champion who dethroned long reigning, uh, Jelena Maranovic of Canada on fight city on that NBC sports, uh, boxing show announced mm-hmm. today that she signed with matchroom boxing of Eddie Hearn. So this discussion, we had it a couple of months ago when, when Amanda Serrano and her team came out publicly and called out Cruz for turning down a six-figure payday to unify the titles with her, and we had basically the same discussion right now where I was mm-hmm. pro- proposing that Erica Cruz should go out and maybe get a, a, a defense uh, under her belt and get ready for Amanda Serrano, whereas David was proposing that she should just go for the money now because she wasn't going to see that type of payday uh, anywhere else. Well, maybe they knew something that we didn't, whereas she was talking mm-hmm. to Eddie Hearn already, and Eddie Hearn probably said, hey, don't take that fight. I got bigger plans for you. Let it go. Yep. And then uh, and then here we go. Here's the bigger plan. She ends up signing with Eddie Hearn in Matchroom Boxing. And today, well, actually yesterday, I think it was today, Amanda Serrano announced that she signed with a new promotional company led by Jake Paul, the YouTuber and, mm-hmm. form, and, and professional 3-0, 4-0 fighter. And one of the things they mentioned in that announcement of the signing of Amanda Serrano is that they are looking to make a fight against Katie Taylor. So Eddie Hearn, like, just, like he did in the super featherweight division, Closed all the roads and all the roads lead to matchroom boxing because the two biggest fights per, probably for Amanda Serrano is Katie Taylor. And if it's not Katie Taylor, it's Erica Cruz to unify the title. Right. So yeah. now whatever she wants to do, she has to go to matchroom. She goes to Katie Taylor, can't work out a deal. What's the alternative? Erica Cruz. Well, guess what? You got to go to matchroom boxing, David. Yeah, right. Correct. Well, that's a, that now that we know it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, because yeah. now Eddie Hearn's going to get paid no matter what, hmm. no matter what yeah. uh, way Amanda wants to go with her uh, fights. Uh, Eddie Hearn's blocking, and he doesn't necessarily have to put up the fight himself. He's still getting get paid. Yeah, hmm. and, and Lupe, well, go ahead, Lupe. Give us your comment, then I'll, I'll make a comment. Well, I kind of wanted to clear. Okay, so Erica signing with Matchroom, is this for like a number of fights? You know how um, uh, McCaskill was signed for like a few fights? Is this she the same signed kind for of three fights. deal? Well, okay. I read, I read the report and it said multi-fight. It didn't specify how many, but when McCaskill signed, I think it was only for like two or three fights. As the same thing as Amanda Serrano when she signed and fought with Matchroom leading up to that Katie Taylor fight, which never materialized. It was only mm-hmm. like a three-fight deal, whereas according to the reports, Erica Cruz signed a multi-fight deal. That could only mean three fights. Three fights is multi, but they didn't specify mm-hmm. the number of fights. Okay. Now, 
Here's another thing that that Eddie Hearn could be looking that, uh, down the future. I mean, you got he ha- he owns all the super featherweights except for Michaela Mayer, but Erica Cruz is at 26. So if she wants to go up and challenge the winner of that whole tournament and be the first defense for whoever unifies those titles mm. and becomes the undisputed, there's a there's a fight right there that Eddie Hearn can make in it, can make without having to negotiate with anybody. So he has a lot of options yeah. there. You know, he has a lot of options and he has the leverage because, you know, he could tell Amanda Serrano, okay, so I could give you X amount of money for Hernandez or Cruz. I'm sorry, it's Erica Cruz Hernandez. Or I could give you X amount for Katie Taylor. And both of those um, amounts could not be, could be not as high as they should be, but because he has both fighters, he can leverage one against the other and make Amanda Serrano choose between those two, because if if, she, if Amanda Serrano's next fight is not against Katie Taylor and Erica Cruz, who's it going to be against? I mean, I mean the fight against Yamiles Mercado was a good fight, but I mean it didn't really raise her profile. I mean it rose, it raised her profile in a negative way with what happened with the suspension of her trainer and everything that went in between the rounds. But as far as raising her profile, because she faced a a fighter that had you know, that could have been a 50-50 fight or something like that. I didn't see that. Did you see that, Lupi? No. Um, But you know what? Her profile is going to get raised. It already did get raised, hooking up with Jake Paul. True. Now, David, in your experience in boxing and what you've seen, I mean, we've seen these fly-by-night promoters. And at this point, being that his promotional company is basically one day old, we we ha- we are in our right to call Jake Paul a fly-by-night promoter, and there's a famous saying. Um, there's a famous saying by Bob Arum where he said the desert is riddled by the bleached bones of of past promoters, right? Um, so, Very true. <laughs> in your experience, in your, in your experience, I mean, in your experience, how good is a, of a move is Amanda Serrano? I mean, and, and before I do the question, I mean, we've seen that lately we saw the fate of Rock Nation, who had big money behind him, Jay-Z, they signed Miguel Cotto, they signed uh, Maurice Hooker, who at the time was the WBO super lightweight champion. We've seen the problems that are going on with Thriller and trying to make that Teofimo Lopez fight against George Cambosos, you know. Yeah. So what? how good of an idea or how good of a move is, in your experience, Amanda Serrano signing with Jake Paul? Uh, you know, normally, because, uh, you know, I I agree with what you said about fly-by-night promoters and people jump into the game that don't really know the boxing business. Uh, the fact that Jake Paul has already done two successful fight promotions, I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's one guy that does know what he's doing. and uh, And maybe he's not a good boxer, but he knows what he's doing and terms of promoting that far I've seen. And to me, if Amanda can make one or two successful fights with him, that's all she needs because she hasn't been making that kind of money until she signed with him. Well, I I take it back. She's made a couple, but this last one was a big one and she made a lot of money with him. And if she can just get two more of those, she's, she's, uh, She's got what she she needs. She's already at the. She's already breaking through that top barrier now. People mm-hmm. are starting to become aware of her on the elite level, where where the men dwell. She's getting there. She's right right at the door, and mm-hmm. uh, just one more big fight, and she's going to be the one. That's a good point, David. Because I don't know how successful was that last pay-per-view with Jake Paul. And I would want to imagine that he's, he seems like a pretty smart kid. He's young. You know, he's, I mean, him and his brother are like off the charts in popularity on all the social platforms or anything like that. So either he and his brother are very, very smart or they have very smart people behind them. So I would want to imagine that before he announces uh, a promotional company and he signs, you know, one of the top names in female boxing, obviously guaranteeing her a minimum a purse for certain fights that he cut a deal with Showtime um, 
for his fights, for his pay-per-views, etc., etc., etc. So I would imagine that that his last pay-per-view was pretty successful to the point where Showtime was willing to cut a deal with him for future pay-per-views. And in that deal, you know, I would imagine that Jake Paul has the right to put on female boxing because what we've seen recently when Showtime was one of the big uh, supporters of female boxing, but when Eddie Hearn, I mean, not Eddie Hearn, I'm sorry, Lou DiBella got into some hot water with them, they kind of threw it on the wayside and then Clarissa Shields wasn't um, uh, attractive mm-hmm. for them anymore. Um, you know, she wasn't on the network anymore. She had been. She mm-hmm. had, was not anymore. So I would imagine that that was what Jake Paul did and got some kind of deal with Showtime where he could feature um, Amanda Serrano. Do you think that seems feasible, Lupi? Yeah, yeah, I I totally do. And and like you said, him and his brother, they're smart guys. They're young guys. They get social media. They get YouTube. They're in that area. They're just transferring it to boxing. And one of the things I like the most about – I mean, I know people – a lot of criticism for Amanda is like, well, has she really fought anybody? Has she fought the best? But one of the best things I like about her is that she always did it for herself. It's her business. She's always run it like a business. And she thinks outside the box, and she beats to her own drum. That's why I, it'll work. It already has just by signing with him. I mean, you know, I had my, my nephews, and they're like, hey, are you going to watch a Jake Paul? And I said, no. And they had their stream, and I go, you make sure you watch Amanda Serrano. And they did. And now all those kids knew who she was. They didn't know who she was before. They knew Jake Paul. So it already has. David, Good move for her. Um, do you think that, that Jake Paul maybe cut a deal with Showtime where he gets uh, to feature – Amanda Serrano? Yeah, I think they went hand in hand. It was, uh, from my understanding, when talking with Amanda earlier before her last fight with uh, Jake Paul, uh, he specifically had asked for her. He kind of likes women's boxing, and he likes her style. And uh, it's something that, you know, he saw in Amanda that can help him help him in his part and also he he likes women's boxing too he's a fan of women's boxing and hey all power to him you know if he's if he believes in women's boxing the way we do then that's great that's great yeah, there's that always is. room for another player yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's a good point now moving on to the next bit of fight chatter um recently earlier this week i believe PFL, which what does PFL stand for, David? Uh, professional Fight League. Fighters League. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fight. Yeah, Fight League. That is the promoter which Clarissa Shields is signed to for her MMA career. She has a fight right. scheduled for October 27th, which is going to be featured on ESPN Plus, I would imagine. Um. And they had a, a press conference yesterday, and she was asked during the press conference if she would be willing to uh, fight on the undercard undercard of a Jake Paul main event. And she took offense to that and said, you know, please do not disrespect me. I'm a real fighter. I'm a two-time world Olympian. Uh, I'm a gold Olympian, I'm sorry. She's a, uh, you know, multi-divisional world champion. And I could beat, and she said it, I could beat Jake Paul right now in my weight class. So, no, I would not fight um, on the undercard of Jake Paul, which is something to be expected from from Clarissa Shields. You know, she, she, she really mm-hmm. fights for her, for her place in female boxing and, mm-hmm. you know, and what she deserves or doesn't deserve, which in her right, she is right. I mean, she is right. But what does that say, mm-hmm. Lupi, about Amanda being more than willing to be on the undercard of Jake Paul when we know that Amanda Serrano is a much more skilled fighter than than Jake Paul? And Jake Paul is much more popular than Amanda Serrano and Clarissa Shields put together as far as in the mainstream media. Yeah. So what did you feel about those comments as far as how would Amanda Serrano take them? You know, it, it, it really – well, I just said – what I think um, is that I think Amanda beats to a different drum. I think it's a good move for her because it's all a business. What I said. And I think 
it, it depends who you are. So if you're somebody who knows boxing, you're going to be like, yeah, Shields right because she is a two-time uh, gold medalist in the Olympics. She is, you know, she's everything she says she is. And I think if you do know boxing, you're like, yeah, that's a good move for Amanda. But I think if you're listening to Clarissa and you don't really know boxing, you're like, oh, that is a joke. That Amanda, she, it, it's a joke. And she's making the wrong move. That's how I think it can be taken. If you know boxing, you're okay with what Clarissa said. You get it. And if you're not, you're going to think, wow, Amanda really blew it. Or she's a fake. So it, it kind of depends who you are. Clarissa's right for herself. Um, I don't know about her mentioning the money. I don't think that that I, – I don't think her facts were right when it came to the money. It, I don't think she should have mentioned the money. But, you know, that's just Clarissa just talking. Now, we know off the record that Clarissa Shields probably getting paid, you know, in the mid-six figures, right? If not a little bit less, mm-hmm. a little bit more. Now, mm-hmm. David, do you think that she kind of shot herself in the foot by making that statement? Because if, if Jake Paul is successful with his promotional company and he's starting to do these pay-per-views on Showtime and he has the platform, he might – he might be able to offer Clarissa Shields a pretty good amount of money um, above what she's been getting paid to have her fight on one of his cards. And how is she going to look if she actually takes the fight and she is on the undercard of Jake Paul? So, you know, do you think that Tom, that, that Mr. Um, uh, Mark Taffet had a conversation with her after that statement? Uh, you know, it's, it's funny, but money makes strange bedfellows. That's a saying, and I've seen it happen before where people said, I'll never do this, and then they did it. I remember Dana White saying, I'll never have a woman on UFC, and he got Ronda Rousey the very next year. I mean, (laughs) money talks. I mean, whatever you say today could change tomorrow. As long as they see that money, they go, wait a minute. I'm I'm in. I'm in now. (laughs) I've seen it happen many times. Yeah. Is that Shakespeare, the money makes strange bedfellows? Uh, I forget. I forget who said it. <laughs> oh, because I want the record to show that in this show we have actually quoted <laughs> maybe Shakespeare and Bob Arum. So um, <laughs> we want that to show. In the same breath. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, those were pretty interesting. I like, and like Clarissa, she was like, we know. I mean, sometimes she's like – I mean, one thing about Clarissa Shields, and we saw her, um, I didn't get a chance to say hi to her, but David did, and we saw her there at the, at the fight card on Saturday night. But one thing about Clarissa Shields, whether you like it or not, she wears her heart on her sleeve, and she tells you exactly what she's thinking mm-hmm. without filter and without thinking about the consequences of her statements that could affect her, uh, her pocketbook. And she realizes it, and she knows it, and Mark Taffer, her manager, realizes it. I mean, there's been times... They mentioned, mm-hmm. to, mentioned here on the show that there were times that they could have had some sponsors, but, um, um, you know, they weren't really to, ready to pull the trigger because some of the things that – the I don't want to say the image, but, you know, the way that Clarissa is. And um, yeah. we'll, see, we'll see if this comes back and, and it affects her in one way. But she is fighting um, on October 27th uh, on a PFL on ESPN. David, I don't know if you had uh, – in the conversation you had with her, but did she give you any inclination that she was going to come back to boxing before the end of the year? Uh, yeah, she absolutely did say she was going to come back to boxing after her MMA fight. Uh, one of the things I wanted to add about Clarissa is that she is really a good ambassador for women's boxing, or women's yeah. prize fighting, period. I mean, she's not afraid to go anywhere, talk about it. Uh, it reminded me of the conversation we had uh, years ago with Mariana Barbie Juarez when she said, uh, the reason she felt her success was was uh, because of she was willing to go anywhere to talk to anybody about her sport, uh, and she never turned away any kind of a interview. And I oh, see yeah. Clarissa in the same manner. She's the same way. She won't turn down any interviews or anything like that if she thinks they're reasonable. Hey, and yeah. can I add that Clarissa – is at every, she's at all the fights. She's at the men's fights, all the women's fights. Right. She is always there to support, and I just wish people would give it back to her more. But she's everywhere. I love that yeah. about her. Yeah. 
One thing that she has stated on her social media, and, 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 and to touch the point that you said, David, where Mariana Juarez said that she would go to any interview, anything, radio, TV, swap meets, whatever they asked of her, she was going to do it so that she could promote herself in female boxing. But one thing that Clarissa has gone out and done on her social media is that, you know, she's not really entertaining interview opportunities for platforms that are very small because, like she stated, like, to the point where, like, you know, she's getting trolled a lot. A lot of people are just trying to start fights with her on social media and stuff like that. And she wasn't just going to entertain those type of uh, platforms anymore, which is good for her because you got to get to a level yeah. that you you only have so much time in the day. She's training, you know, MMA. She's training boxing. She's doing her diet. She's doing her strength and conditioning coach. She has a personal life. She has a, 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 mm-hmm. a significant other. There's only so much time in the day to be doing interviews and all that. So, um, she has the right to do that. Now, lastly, Thank in our you. fight chatter, um, you know, another person that we had a chance to speak to, and the interview of that, of that, of that conversation is going to be up soon on theprizefighters.com was none other than IBF strawweight champion. Is it strawweight? Yeah, right. Not mini flyweight. Yeah. Strawweight. Yeah, strawweight champion Jocasta Valle from Costa Rica, and she was at the press conference, and when. So here's the here's the 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 the, uh, the events that happened. It was announced last week that Yesenia Gomez, the WBC light flyweight champion, was gonna fight um, some uh, a fighter with no record. I don't think it's a title fight in Cancun on October 16th. Sinesa Estrada went on on her Instagram stories and mentioned, "Why would you be fighting this girl and you won't fight me?" Meaning Yesenia Gomez. Right, Yocasta Valle took the opportunity to say, "Well, if she won't fight you. I'll fight you." On her Instagram <laughs> story, and then Estrada responded what with, "Well, if you're gonna call me out to fight, why don't you do it at a Golden Boy card, and not at some other? I mean, at a press com- at a Golden Boy press conference, and not at some random press conference, which at this point was Marv Nation, who was the promoter of." the Adelaida Reese card. I had an opportunity to speak to, to Yocasta Valle, and we spoke about other subjects, but w- this was one of them. And she said, well, I mean, I'm not going to, first of all, I'm here. I'm all the way from Costa Rica. I'm here for the weekend. I'm, there is no Golden Boy press conference, you know, this weekend, but I'm here at this press conference and I'm calling you out here. So what's the difference where I call you out I'm telling you, <laughs> I want to fight. And, Yocasta Valles mentioned that she is hoping that her next fight is in the United States and she'll be more than happy for it to be against um, um, uh, Siniesta Estrada. But I believe that she did mention that she would want it at 105 and not 108. And I don't know where Estrada is thinking about, about doing that fight. David? Uh, from what I've heard, she wants she'll do it at 105. She doesn't care. She wants yeah, to unify the 105 at, and the 108 and the 112. Yeah, because both of them are champions at 105, and then um, yeah, and then Sinesa Estrada is a champion at 108 as well. So, uh, but yeah, the one so, thing Sinesa's uh, team wanted is three minute rounds. I don't know if Yocasta wants that. Oh, I, I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, I follow both of them on social media, and there's one thing about Yocasta Valle is that she's always training. I mean. Every Saturday, yeah. practically every Saturday morning, she gets up at dawn and she runs up this huge hill in Costa Rica. Um, and then, you know, and then she does her training with her with her with her trainer Marco Delgado uh, during the week. So, as far as conditioning, I don't think that is going to be an issue for Yocasta Valle. So, yeah, that'd um, be great. We'll see if that fight materializes. So that is the end of our fight chatter, and that only leaves us our upcoming calendar. But before we go to that, just wanted to mention to you that our next show is scheduled for October 14th here on the Block Talk Radio platform, blocktalkradio.com forward slash two-minute round. And the upcoming calendar is kind of light for the next couple of weeks. Um, on Saturday, October the 2nd, from the Czech Republic. And the only reason that I'm mentioning this fight, because it's not going to be televised anywhere near the United States. But Fabiana Bitiki, who is a WBC 102 champion, announced that she was moving up in weight, more than likely to to, uh, 
to strawweight 105, but she is going to be taking on Farah El Bozeri in a six rounder at flyweight. So she's going 10 pounds over, but it looks like she's moving on from the 102 uh, weight class, even though the WBC still lists her as their 102 champion. But she did mention in her social media that she's going to be moving up from that weight class. And she, that, she takes on Farah El Boizari on October 2nd in the Czech Republic, her home country. And on Saturday, October 9th, from Liverpool, England, on the zone, Shannon Courtney goes against Jamie Mitchell, defending her WBA 118-pound title in the scheduled 10-rounder. And remember, in her last fight, she defeated Ebony Bridges for that vacant title, and now she'll be making her new, her first defense against the undefeated 6-0 with one draw, Jamie Mitchell. And that is the calendar for the next couple of weeks of female boxing. Lupi, anything? Oh, Lupi, before we go, why don't you give us uh, – well, actually, you're – your uh, your event over there, your beautiful brawlers event, is scheduled for October 30th and 31st. But we got a show right before that. But why don't you tell us how that is going? Is it going to be? You're going to have an audience? Is there still a chance to get some female fighters there? What's going on with that? Okay, so we, so my sister and I, it's going to be at her gym in Pacifica, California, um, Baby Chase Training Center. It's on the 30th and the 31st. It's our first two-day tournament. Um, originally, we were only going to, because California was the last to open up, so we, we were watching everyone have shows and all the girls sparring, and, and so we opened it up to 25 fights, and we said all the California girls are going to get matched first because this is their chance, and then when we, we matched our girl, the California girls, and we opened it up, and we got over 100 girls to register, so now wow. we have 111, <laughs> 111. Jeez. Of girls, Army. my sister just <laughs> yeah, she just finished the brackets, and then we had once we did we never posted brackets, but we did on our website babyfaceboxing.com, and then um, so the girls can see it, and then once they saw it, we knew that girls were going to start pulling, so we had some <laughs> girls drop, and we, we were expecting at least ten, and just one wow. hundred. Yeah, what are the and ages? Then, um, we have from eight to uh, elites. And I think the oldest elite, I don't even think it's 30. So we have two peewee brackets of eight-year-olds. And then oh. we have um, the 9 and 10, the 10 and uh, the 11, 12. I mean, we're going through youths. We're going to elites. And then um, three yesterday, my sister, she goes, did we just put something up about the show? And I said, no. And she goes, we're getting Texas. And we did. We got an influx of girls from Texas at once. We're talking national champions, members of Team USA, um, girls wow. are qualified for the Olympic trials. The, it's incredible. And that's where we are right now. We have a full show. Um, but we are still taking names, Philippe, and people still can register on the website because we're not going to – and my sister, Blanca, keeps telling me, tell me to stop, tell me to stop. <laughs> and I go, okay. I go, but we just got these girls in Texas, and it's like we can't stop. couple so, questions. Um, that's where we are. couple questions for you, Lupi. Um so you have a hundred and a hundred plus girls, so that means you got about fifty fights, correct? Yeah, it would be um, probably forty six the first day, and then less than twenty the second for the championships. Okay. So it's not a tournament where the where they fight the first day and then, or it is a tournament where they fight the first day and it then is. the ones it's that 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 could that go through fight on the next day. Mm-hmm. Yes, wow, it would be a random exciting. draw. That's It'll be exciting, a random right? draw. It is really exciting. We have a team from Mexico coming. We're really excited Jeez. about that. Cause, yeah, because we have our first Mexican champion from 2019, Brianda Guerrero. She's coming with the team. We're so stoked. Oh, my God. So, That's so, yeah. I have something, I have something on October 29th, or else I would probably go out there because that sounds really exciting. Now, other question is um, – my the local fighter here, one that I follow, she's actually my friend my friend from actual junior high. I known this guy since junior high. He has a gym out here. Mm-hmm. His daughter fights. She barely started. Is she registered? Is Mia Acevedo the rebel? Yeah, Mia Moore is on the card. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. All right. That's awesome. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we'll look and forward guys, to that. It is is it going to be broadcast? We're going to do Facebook Live this first time, just to make perfect. sure we get the content out there and people could see. And then maybe next time we'll. We'll do something different, but we uh, are going to do a Facebook Live. I mean, I have, I, I'm actually out of town on 29th, but David, you should go out there. Let, I'm going to do this. Yeah, David. I'm going to I'm gonna put you on the spot, David. Yeah. And I'm going to put myself on the spot, okay? 
Okay. October this year I can't do it because I actually have something I have to do on October 29th. And, and if Lupi and and Lupi and uh, and I forgot uh, Blanca would have us next year, if you guys do the same thing, I commit and David would commit to going up there and broadcast, being the commentators on the Facebook Live um, broadcast. We would love it. <laughs> That'd be great. We would, oh bro- we would, we would, we would give oh, yep. the play-by-play, and 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 we'll be the broadcasters on the Facebook Live. How about that? It's gonna be incredible. See, David, we're already planning for next year. I'm in. All right, there yeah, you have you guys, it. Guys, it's gonna be incredible. We're gonna have Martha Salad. Our Corinna Moreno has a girl coming. Melissa McMorrow will be there. Um, Sue Fox is coming in from W Band. It's gonna be, it's gonna be crazy. Well, I'm gonna be. <laughs> I'm going to be watching on Facebook Live because, you know, even though it's amateur boxing and, and, and all that, but this is the future. You want to see the future right. of female boxing? Here it is. Here it is. Yep. You know, the Beautiful Brawlers program from Blanca and Lupe Gutierrez up there in Northern California is quite possibly, not, not even quite possibly, is, is the number one boxing program, amateur program in the United States. I mean, there's no other group or organization that is putting on these kind of tournaments for all female amateur boxers and everybody that's anybody in the last i would say 10 years has gone through that program at one point and another you know Um, probably a little Mm -hmm. bit probably a little bit less because i don't think you had like the 2012 like marlene esparza wasn't out there with you guys at one point right i mean she's been there for two years she she worked she worked um we had queen underwood she came in 2012 she was the olympian that year and then, I mean, we've had Lupe Gutierrez, um, Heaven Garcia. When we you went to the Olympic trials, we Andrea sat there Medina. and watched all the little. Yeah. Well, Andrea's never been on the show. And oh, I don't okay. know what she's doing. Is she staying amateur? I don't you know. know. She she's really hasn't posted. She posted that she was, she posted some months ago after the Olympics that she was thinking about it. But from then on, she hasn't. Mm-hmm. She needs to say, I mean, she deserves a break. I mean, she's been, she's been an amateur fighter yeah. for a long, long, long time. And, you know. Yeah. The Olympic dream is over, so she probably is taking a, uh, a break. She's being a, a young adult, you know, which she deserves. And then maybe she makes yeah. a she makes a decision. Yeah, for sure. For All right, sure. folks. Well, thank you for listening to hear the two minute round. Your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. I'm Felipe Leon, in the name of Mr. David Avila and Lupe Gutierrez. Our next show is scheduled for October 14th here on BlockTalkRadio.com forward slash Two Minute Round. We bid you good night. Good night, everybody. Good night.